Welcome everyone to this episode of the Naked Guru Experience. These are conversations on psychology, spirituality, intelligence, and consciousness. You can now become a member of the channel by clicking the below join button. Thanks in advance for any support. Today's guest is Yogi Amandeep Singh. Yogi Amandeep is helping people overcome mental health issues such as addiction, depression, anxiety, stress, and trauma. He has successfully coached people in over 20 countries. As a qualified psychotherapist and a master of ancient Himalayan yogic science, he has helped thousands prevent and manage mental health issues. Yogi Amandeep, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Blessings to you and thank you for the invitation. Yeah, and thanks for agreeing uh, uh, to talk with me. And I've been really looking forward to this conversation, namely because of uh, the topic of, of mental health. And so I just wanted to start off with, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what it is you actually do and you know, where you're from and, and, and what you're actually up to? Yeah, born in India, raised in Singapore, and uh, now I'm in Vancouver, in Canada. And uh, you know, my vision has been since a small boy is to unite uh, the East and the West approach to uh, holistic uh, living. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing, traveling around the world, uh, combining the ancient wisdom of the Himalayan sages with the modern researchers. And um, I think this is the need of the day, you know, need of the times. And uh, yeah, so this is uh, me in short. You know, so one thing that stood out from, from your bio for me was this kind of ancient Himalayan yogic um, practices. And I just wonder if you could talk a little bit uh, more on this, like what, what's the provenance of it and what does it actually involve? Are we talking just pure yoga or? Yes. So I had the privilege to study with many, uh, you know, masters from the Himalayas, uh, you know, born in India, as I mentioned. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot of uh, ancient wisdom uh, tools. Uh, the whole approach, the yogic approach is to uh, change your breath and change your posture. So when you can change your breath and you can change your posture, in fact, your whole story, what you are, your ultimate blooming, what will you bloom into, you know, in this lifetime is written from the tip of your head to tip of the toe. So, so it's all written here. Your story is written in your posture. Your story is written in your breath. Your story is written in your eyes. Your story is written in your tongue. So if you know the tools, how to move your tongue, how to move your hands, how to change your posture, how to change your breath, you can change your life. You can change your story just by modifying the way you breathe, the way you see, the way you talk, the way you sit, the way you stand, the way you eat. <laughs> So that is the approach that we, uh, you know, with the grace of the cosmos, I'm uh, bringing into this world and sharing people to change their story. And so how does it actually work? I heard you, I heard, I've had heard you speak on memory within, within the cells, like yes. a cellular biological memory. Could you, could you explain a little bit about, you know, how, how yeah. that works, how you see that? So in fact, if we were to just, uh, you know, uh, do a research who we are, dive into ourselves, we are nothing but memory, it's moving memory. And sometimes uh, there are memories we are stuck in. If you are constantly uh, thinking about something in the past and if you are constantly projecting something in the future, it means you're stuck in time and space of the past and time and space of the future. And you miss the present moment when your story is being written now. Your story is written now. So you forget the now and you get stuck in the past, you know, 
or you start projecting the future. So what we do is uh, uh, we tell people how to change the story, how to breathe properly, uh, how to do deep breathing, and so that it can evolve and bloom into their ultimate being. So, and, and on a biological level, what, what is happening? Like, is there, is there, is, is there science behind this? Like, with, with the movement so, of the posture, what do you find? Yeah, as, I, as you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, I talk about memory, uh, the bio memory, okay, and the muscle memory. Basically, these are the two main memories, although there are many layers as well, but this is easily accessible, and this is the foundation of our existence as in this body and mind. So, the bio memory and the muscle memory. The muscle memory is changed when you move your body consciously, when you go into specific postures that you don't go into. Ordinarily, you know, we have never moved our hands up. You know, some people in their whole life, there are, time, there are people who have never moved their, you know, hands in the back of the, uh, the, the, the body. So what you, you are stuck. You are stuck in a certain posture. When you're stuck in a certain posture, you're stuck in a certain time of the past. So you're stuck in a certain memory and you can't change. So to change the muscle memory, okay, we work on changing postures. We work on uh, giving them specific posture, especially, you know, after hearing the individual story and what that person would like to work on, accordingly, certain specific postures and kriyas, we call it movements of the body, which helps to release, you know, the memory that is stagnant in the different parts of the body. So postures and kriyas, specific yogic exercises help you to come out of the muscle memory, delete the muscle memory. And then you have the bio memory. The bio memory is more in your auric field. So the auric field also contains your information. It also contains your story. So your story it does not really end in the physical body. It continues all the way two and a half meters around you, which we call the electromagnetic field or the aura. So the bio memory is those memories that have been engraved deep in you. And some of these memory from our yoga perspective has been coming down from different lifetimes. So we use the breath exercise. When your breath is deep, Okay, you experience life deep and when the breath is shallow, life is shallow. So breath exercises, uh, holding the breath, uh, you know, different beats in the breath, uh, different sound currents or sacred sounds or the sounds of the stars, we call it, uh, mm. engraved, uh, you know, infused into the breath with your intention. And that changes the whole electromagnetic field. So that brings a shift in your bio memory. And if you can change the muscle memory and your bio memory, you can change your story. Now, you know, I come at this from a, quite a psychological uh, perspective. I know you're also a trained psychotherapist. Uh, my background's mm -hmm. in psychology. And, and so for me, uh, it seems there's a lot of healing to be had when we kind of realize the illusion of the ego. Um, when we can break down that of who we thought we were and come into kind of a deeper resolution of who we really are. And uh, mm -hmm. is that how you're applying this with people in that, in that kind of way? Like, why would somebody want to recreate the story? I mean, most of us, we are not happy with what we are, you know, especially in this modern world. And especially, you know, in relation to addiction, 
in relation to stress, in relation to depression, you know, I, with the grace of the cosmos, uh, there have been very successful studies. You know, uh, within 120, 160 days, that's when the, you know, the whole uh, uh, biofield starts to change, when you start to change your pattern and change your breath. So specifically for people who are stuck in the past, in stress and depression, in addiction, uh, this is an ultimate remedy. Or I have attained a lot of success in sharing this wisdom with others. And is, is this um, wisdom practiced in India? Is it, is it quite common there or is it, is it, is it something you developed yeah, you yourself? Know, yes. So there are certain things which, which time I have developed. And uh, the foundation of these teachings is, of course, the Himalayan sages, the Himalayan wisdom. So much of the stuff, according to time and space, you know, I have modified, I have changed him to fit the modern times. And and can I ask, you know, from from your more kind of theological perspective or your, let's say, religious perspective, are you on board with Advaita Vedanta or any particular school of? The, that's the next approach, you know, uh, we start with Tantra. Tantra here means modification of the body. So Tantra. So Tantra is when you can consciously change your, your this reality, which is a tangible reality. So Tantra. Then from Tantra, we go into Mantra. Mantra is when you can consciously change your mind. So ordinarily, we have no control of, over our body or physical existence. We have no control over our mental world or world of the mind. So we start with Tantra, giving people the power to change their, this reality, the tangible reality, not a belief system yet, something which is tangible, you can change it. Then the next step is Mantra, which is the giving them the power to change their thoughts, change their emotions, change their feelings consciously. And then when they are ready, ultimately, we introduce them to the Advaita Vedanta, where the teaching of unity, you know, the totality is within you and you are within totality. So that will only make sense if the person have gone through the garden of Tantra and the garden of Mantra, and then the flowering of Advaita Vedanta automatically happens. Beautiful. So the freedom from the physical body, the freedom from the mental body. And one of those, uh, uh, one of the core teachings of, uh, you know, with the Vedantic teaching is a neti, neti, or neti, neti, you know, athatu adeshaha naiti, naiti, which means the highest wisdom is the wisdom of neti, neti, which is I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. But before you can let that go, you have to know what you are not. So you have to experience that. So you have to know what you are not through the approach of Tantra and approach of Mantra, and then the flowering automatically happens. So this is the steps, uh, you know, that I share with people. And this is how uh, people find it easier to dive into this, uh, you know, the highest wisdom it is known as the Advaita Vedanta, the non-dual teachings. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, if we just start with the first of those three, and we just Mm -hmm. take Tantra, my question on this is, there's a common misconception in modern day Western society that Tantra is a sexually based uh, practice. Uh, yeah. so, and, and I just wonder yeah. if you could speak to that, if you could define it for the listeners, what is the difference here? Yeah, so I think, you know, sometimes most of the teachings when they come to the West, you know, it is approached differently, it's modulated, it's modified. But the, the essence of Tantra, Tan means, tan means body. And tra means movement. 
So the movement of the body. So most of the time, as I mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, we are not moving our body. So you are stuck. The body is stuck. The posture is stuck. There are certain parts of the body which you have never moved. You know, and so the signs of consciously uh, changing your tan, your body tra movement. So the movement of the body, like I'm, I'm moving my hand. This is tantra. You know. <laughs> and when i'm moving my tongue this is tantra and once a while i'm moving my spine is a tantra and that which controls this tantra is the mantra which is my thoughts my guiding thoughts most of us we don't have control over our thoughts we don't have power to stop our thoughts we don't have the power to uh, renew our thoughts so that power you get it back you know what you need to think and you know what you need to say and the power to you know be in the posture that you like to be uh, so that is the science of tantra and that is the science of mantra so it's nothing but the movement of the body so whenever you are moving it's called a tantra and, and when so, you can consciously move that is tantra that's it that that is the essence you know that's it now i guess on to the second one then with mantra uh, mm -hmm. I guess a common misconception about mantra would be that it's just a phrase like Om Mani Padme re re repeated yeah. in the in the mind over and over again. Uh, and mm -hmm. how does that integrate it in, in, in your yes. so something you use? The sutra, the sutra says Chittam Mantraha, Chittam Mantraha, which means your clarified mind is the mantra. So your mind is the mantra. Ordinarily, our mantra is very negative. We are thinking all the time negative. And why we are thinking negative? It's because of the shallowness of the breath. When the breath is shallow, negative thoughts will be there. Right? So mantra is actually your mind. So mantra is the art of changing your negative thoughts into positive thoughts. How do you do that? By bringing your awareness to the breath. So you are not stuck here. So this is the prison of the mind. And in the words of Rumi, he says, hear the flute. So what is the flute? The flute of the sound of the breath. So the greatest anchoring, the greatest anchoring for you is your breath. Your breath, when coming, it inhales. Whenever you're inhaling, you're inhaling the entire cosmos. You know, and when you're holding, you're holding the entire cosmos. And when you're exhaling, you're exhaling the entire cosmos. So mantra is the art of changing your negative mind into positive and then ultimately into neutral mind through the coming and the going of the breath. So the tools which are ready in you, they are used because in order to change these, you can only use what is in this. So anything which comes from the outside is not a permanent solution. The permanent solution is inside the body. And many a times I say this in my sessions that uh, everything in this uh, world, it comes with a manual. The human body also comes with a manual and that is your breath. And let me repeat this. When the breath is shallow, life is shallow. And when the breath is deep, life is deep. So the whole system, the Tantra and Mantra, both 
are based in yantra. Yantra is the coming and the going of the breath due to which the tantra and the mantra is moving. So tantra, mantra and yantra. The perfection of these three gives you sutantra. Sutantra means freedom. Freedom from yourself. Mm. Freedom from yourself. And this is the ultimate freedom. We can get freedom from everything, but we cannot get freedom from the self. And the freedom of the, from the self comes through tantra, mantra, combining that together through the vehicle of the breath, which is called the yantra. And these three together gives you sutantra, freedom from yourself. Mm. Where you are able to modify your own reality. Mm. Where mm. you are able to modify your world. And it is simple actually. You know, this what I'm sharing it looks very simple. It is simple. It is simple. You don't have to complicate yourself. Just use the tools which are already available. Your body, your breath, and your mind. This is all you need to bring any shift into this time and space. So if we move on, and that's beautiful, thank you for that. Um, you know, if we move on to then Advaita Vedanta, mm -hmm. which, which, I mean, from my reading, Sri Ramana Maharshi would be that yes. we are not this body and, yes. and, and actually there's only one of us here. Yes. And so is that the ultimate goal, as, as we might say? Is, yes. it, is it a recognition of so that? The body is within your awareness. The mind is also within your awareness. You are not within the body. You're not within the mind. Mind and body is existing within you. So the world, the body, and the mind are appearing and disappearing in you. You as consciousness, you as awareness is always there. There is never a time when you are not. During the awakened state, you are aware of this space. At night, the dream state, you are also aware. In the deep sleep state, the content of the mind dissolves, but the awareness is still there. So there's something which stays seamless in the three states of being. Knowing that everything is known. But before you dive into that, you have to know what the body is so you can drop the body. You need to know what the mind is so you can drop the mind. So first step to Advaita Vedanta, the way I have you know, attained success is to dive into the Advaita Vedanta through the teachings of Tantra, Mantra, and Yantra. Once I know what I am not, then only I can drop it. If I don't know, then what am I going to drop? <laughs> okay. Beautiful. Now, so um, ultimate clearing only comes with Advaita Vedanta. That's a beautiful sutra. Uh, which says, Kasminu Bhagavo Vigyate Sarvamidam Vigyatam Bhavtuti, which means that, teach me that by knowing which everything is known. And that is called the unity of being. Unity of being. In the yogic teachings, this is called Ek Oankar. In the Sufi teachings, this is called Vahadat Al Vajud. Unity of being. You and me, and all that is, is just modulation of one divine consciousness.
Yes. Just like in yeah. our dream, just like in our dream, our consciousness gives birth to the objective world in the dream. Like that, a collective consciousness has given birth to this awakened dream. Okay. So yes. knowing this, you when you really know these, and not just intellectual understanding, it becomes your realization. Then you are conscious, and you are seeing your dream. Okay. Yes, and, so, and and I just wanted to kind of uh, ask, run a couple of questions past you in Advaita Vedanta. I have, and these are kind of my personal grapplings with it. So, uh, although I do see it, and I've had experiences mainly with plants of of non-duality, of of kind of the recognition that there's only one of us here, that the the baseline of everything is the one consciousness or awareness. Um, but the, the, the issues I, I hold with it, and maybe you could help me out, is the first one is about free will. So, so the uh, Sri Ramana Mahashi said there is no free will. What, what is going to be decided is going to be decided from birth. Um, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you. Free will is only there when you are free. Now we are not free. Now we are entrapped in our story and this story that is happening now is the reason for it now is because something was done in the past right so free will is only there when you are really free from the body and from the mind until you are not free from the body you're not free from the mind there's no such thing as free will it's all happening there's a reason Whatever is happening, there's a reason for that. So free will is there when you are free. And is that reason karma? Is this a karmic karmic? Yes, reason? so karma is only there as long as you identify yourself with the body and the mind. So now my question is, you are a body, you are a mind. I am a body. I am my mind. As long as you are within the realm of body and mind, within the realm of time and space, there is karma. At the level of Atman, a level of consciousness, a level of Brahman, there is total freedom. But that only comes when you know you are Brahman, when you know you are consciousness. Now we know we are body and we are mind. So we are caught in time and space. Mind gives birth to time and body gives birth to space. Perception gives birth to space. Thoughts give birth to time. So now we only know that we are body and we are mind. Due to that, there is karma. But when you this becomes your Ramana Maharishi, there was free will. But as long as we have not yet okay we are still within karma i i i see it so so when sri ramana mahashi was saying that um there is no free will he was referring to uh, only in the body and in the mind the realm of time and space the realm of body and mind I, and then I, I did mention that there was two things there we would answer. The first was free will. I um, think I, I lost you. Oh, I think is our connection. 
Just one second. Can you hear me your side or? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, let's just check. Right, so I'll just pick up where I left off there. But so Sri Ramana Mahashi, when he was talking about there is no free will, what he meant with it was within the body and the mind. Yes. As long as you know yourself as the body, as long as you only know yourself as the mind, there is no free will. <laughs> but at the level of consciousness, okay, you see, before you start to dream, Okay, there is free will in your consciousness, infinite possibilities. But once you start, then there are certain things which are limited. There's no free will. You may be, you may be dreaming something which you left off during the awakened state. So that dream may be the outcome of something do during the awakened state or that which you were constantly thinking about due to that the dream came into existence right but before the dream starts there is infinite possibilities for anything to bloom in the dream and after the dream is over when you are in deep sleep again there is infinite possibilities to create another dream so we do multi but while you are in the dream, the dream more or less has a reason what manifests in the dream. But before the dream, there is infinite possibility. So that is the state of Turiya, the fourth state. In the fourth state, there is freedom. In the awakened state, in the deep, in the dream state, there is no much freedom. Most of the stuff we do is due to certain actions and reactions. Okay, so in line with uh, Sri Ramana Mahashi, there are many people following the Advaita Vedanta school at the moment, and many people talking about non-duality. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I see and worry about in our community is sometimes people are pushing away the humanity. So I'm not this body. I don't need to care about anything in this body. I am God. And uh, Carl Jung, the famous psychologist, did warn of inflation when the, when the ego is assimilated by the self and we puff up to say, well, I am God. Mm -hmm. And could you highlight, I mean, do you recognize this? Yes. In, yes. In, within the spiritual community and could you speak to it? Yeah. So, you see, that's why I mentioned in the beginning that uh, there's, a, there's a way to go in. You have to go through the garden of Tantra you know, understanding the body and then uh, you have to go through mantra and then the yantra and then you have become sutantra. You have to become free. Okay, then this wisdom automatically blooms in you. The traditional way of giving Advaita Vedanta was to prepare an individual. In India, nobody is given Vedantic teachings, Advaita teachings directly. It always comes in you know, a container of uh, devotion, a container of bhakti, it is called. So Advaita Vedanta, without the, you know, uh, the flowers or the fragrance of bhakti or devotion, which means service, which means recognition of the divine in the other first. <laughs> yes. Right. 
instead of recognizing in the divine in yourself first, then becomes a problem. There is no complete blooming. We are warned. So Advaita Vedanta always have to go through bhakti. In fact, the sutra is externally you you sing ex externally you um, radiate bhakti internally you sow the seeds of advaita vedanta so that is the sutra okay so, so there's actually a warning about this yes and and that that's my concern and you brought it up you know and uh, i i you know, many times I contemplate on this because uh, uh, the problem is I go back again to our starting of the conversation. Uh, the full blooming only happens if first you see the God in other. Then only the flowering will happen because that way you have dissolved your ego. And when you have dissolved your ego, you don't have to say I am God you will become godly. So you're not becoming God, you're becoming godly. When Vedanta is approached directly, you become God, which is very dangerous. Because <laughs> becoming God, all the responsibilities of God comes along. <laughs> okay. So the traditional approach is you become godly when you start seeing the divine in others. And you can only see the divine in others because there is divine in you. You are just reflecting it out there. So instead of seeing the divine inside you, you have a reflection, a mirror in front of you. The mirror of Maya. The mirror of Maya. You stand in front and automatically you will see yourself. And that is self-realization. So there is warning. So we have to, even in the Sufi tradition, which ultimately talks about, uh, you know, the non-dual teachings also, they too also, uh, you know, uh, put fragrance of devotion, the fragrance of singing, the qualis they call it, you know. And then ultimately, you see, God blooms in you. Nobody is God. God blooms in you. You become pregnant with God when you enter devotion, when you enter surrender, when you serve humanity. When I say devotion, not devotion to something in the skies, but devotion to humanity, uh, recognizing the other. If you can't see God in all, you cannot see God at all. Mm. Right? Yes. So the whole approach is through surrendering, through a devotion and through serving humanity. And automatically then you are a perfect vessel for God to take birth. And then you don't have to say Aham Brahmasmi. You don't have to say Anaulahak. These are the different terms. The Sufis call these Anaulahak. The, 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 in India, we call it Aham Brahmasmi. And the translation for that ordinarily is, I am God, or I am all, or I am Brahman. You don't have to say it. Because when you say it, your very saying, I am Brahman, I am God, 
you are creating a duality because at that space there is no one to there is no one to say anything <laughs> you know there are no two so at that moment when you say i am god that means one is saying one is proclaiming and one is hearing if there is only one to whom shall i say i am god the ocean never says i am the ocean because it is the ocean so recognize it. the consciousness knows itself it does not need the uh, help of the words help of the mind consciousness itself uh, reveals itself it does not need the mind's interference to tell that it is consciousness Mm. So the very proclaiming, you know, is shows that you are still in duality. It is not Advaita. It is still Dvaita. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. And uh, you know that's been so powerful in my life. To the recognition of God in other has yeah. been more powerful than any meditation or yes. yoga that I've ever tried. It's, and it's difficult. It's, it, it is. <laughs> I just I just give up many of my subscribers will know that I've just been traveling to back to Bangkok to get back to my son. I've not seen him for nine months because of this crisis. And uh, I've my whole life is on film. And the actually I prepared all the documentation at the airport in the last minute. I'd miss miss my flight because all the documentation wasn't right. And uh, in that moment, instead of like going crazy and, and getting angry, I was just looking around at God organizing all this for me you know and apologizing to me and uh, god in in the form of the air hostess and mm -hmm. the emirates people and the mm -hmm. airport people and 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 it was really uh, opening for me it was really like oh uh, there was a lot of joy there instead of frustration and anger and um it, and, and that was powerful and something i'll never never forget yeah and and that that i would like to add on to that that for me i will see this as a satori you know the glimpse you know the 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 once a while when you start walking towards the garden of uh, advaita once a while you know you smell the fragrance and these are those fragrances so this is sort yes. of the glimpse yes now um yogi amandeep about about plants you know a lot of people now are working with plants in order to kind of undergo certain realizations. There are certain things the plant teachers can teach and done under the proper conditions. What is your view uh, on this? Yes. And, and what so, does the tradition say? Yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned, if you can't see God in all, you can't see God at all. So the divine in the plants is there to teach you something. The stars are also teaching you something. You know, the mountains are also teaching you something. But all the other teachings are a bit more subtle and you need to be at a certain frequency to learn something which the stars are trying to convey to you. Even the mountains can communicate with you. So it's easier to connect with the plants and people are using this, this avenue. Uh, it is beautiful, but there's an approach. You know, everything is perfect. But provided you are approaching it perfectly, <clears throat> right? So yes, they do help. 
but uh, you know again as i mentioned that anything from the outside when it comes into your field has its own limitations so i always uh, like to you know share with the people instead of relying on things which are external why don't you rely on something which is internal and we go back to the start of the conversation which is our own breath see the breath contains the wisdom of totality breath is a life breath is god in fact in the vedas there's a beautiful uh, sutra katham ekoho deva iti which means tell me what is this one god one god everybody talks about and the answer to this question was prana iti saha brahma the only one god is your breath mm so breath is god in you when we call this pavan guru the wisdom the only wisdom when you know your breath you know everything and if you don't know your breath you don't know anything so instead of relying on things outside yes outside things can give you a experience so you can open yourself to your breath open yourself to your heartbeat and a heartbeat is another important thing which can bring you into ecstasy i mentioned uh, rumi says hear the flute so that is referring to the breath and in the yogic teachings there's a constant uh, you know advice hear the drum of shiva so the drum of shiva shiva means your consciousness and the drum of shiva is the the heartbeat and if you can really sit and become aware and even rumi talks about this and rumi says lab bando goos bando chashma band he says close your eyes close your mouth and close your ears and hear the drum so hearing your own heartbeat my friend can bring you into an ecstasy that you can never even dream about this is the drum of life this is the live music this is the live music and the whole cosmos is singing to you when you awakened yourself to you that is the highest ecstasy mm so everything mm. is beautiful but everything has its limitation only thing that will ultimately help you to bloom into your full potential that has to be in you Yes, I, I'm, when we discuss the idea of bliss as well, obviously we can only speak from our personal experience. And um, you know, something I've been undergoing recently is, I, I mean, I've been off alcohol and sugar and smoking for about three years now, and 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 uh, it's been quite a strict regime. But now I sense deep, deep bliss opening up in the body. It's almost like white light pour, pouring through the body and particularly up the back of the spine area, concentrating in, in this chakra here. And sometimes it's overwhelming. It's almost like, I mean, I was a drinker before. So if you were very, very drunk and you got that kind of bliss or uh, kind of, uh, it's much purer than that though. It's, mm. it's like a pure feeling of bliss in the body. And uh, I only came across Carl Jung's work on Kundalini um, quite recently. And I just wondered if you could describe to me yes. what is this idea of, of, of Kundalini and how do we know if something is Kundalini and not just in, in, in my head? I mean, sometimes very overwhelming. 
And uh, I'm talking with people all around the world that are reaching out mm-hmm. and saying they're undergoing uh, very similar things too. So, so Kundalini is simple language. Kund means when you are tied down, when you are stuck. You want to change, you can't change. You want to bring a transformation into your life, you can't do that. That's called Kunda. Kunda means mm. lock. So to, to be caught up in a cage, to be caught up in a box, uh, you know, a, a pot. Kunda means a pot, actually. That's, that's the translation, a pot. <laughs> so when you're stuck in the pot, and Lini means to bloom, to bloom out of your pot, to bloom out of your shortcomings, to bloom out of your limitations. There's a whole esoteric aspect of Kundalini, you know, but that will not make sense what I'm, you know, in our conversation today. But in our normal day-to-day activity, now what you just experienced, you mentioned light and all that, that is called the opening of the petals. That is opening of the petals, the chakras. You don't need to see the chakra opening within. It it can also come in the form of a feeling. What you just explained before I started to, you know, talk, that was an example of blooming of the lotuses within you. Mm. So Kundalini is when once a while, if it's not all the time, but at least once a while, suddenly you are able to shed your story. Suddenly you are able to put your story aside and just experience yourself in your naked beingness. You know, your show is called a naked yogi, I believe. That's what it's yes. called. Okay. Yeah, naked guru. Naked, <laughs> the naked guru, I will say. The naked yes. yogi, naked awareness. Without the chains that is binding you all the time. And even if you can feel these for a few seconds, know that you have touched Kundalini. And, and couldn't you advise, you know, if people are undergoing this, mm-hmm. um, there are people that have reached out to me because I have spoken about it. And it's very new to me. I'm not, uh, I'm not a really a spiritual person. I'm not following any particular discipline, only one I've created for myself, which is just kind of one of not drinking, not smoking and, and taking care of the body. And, and, that's and, and really, <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I mean, how does one kind of channel that? I, I, I sometimes feel I'm getting these insights. Mm. And uh, I mean, another symptom I get is very heavy right hemisphere activation. Mm. So it sometimes feels like this, my right side of my head is almost like very far more active than the left. Mm. And, uh, and I feel as if there should be some way to channel this and I'm not doing it right. Yes. So this happens uh, when you are not able to, uh, I will not use the word control, but when you don't have the wisdom of your breath. The breath is the ultimate guru. Okay. In the physical realm, in the mental realm, in the energetic realm, and whatever realm that exists beyond that. Okay. <laughs> so my suggestions to you will be, Whenever you're feeling anything like that, okay, you need to boost yourself. You need to bring in God. 
instead of solving your problems by yourself, which is manifesting in the physical body or in the mental body, you bring in God, which is the breath. So you inhale and you hold your breath. And wherever you're feeling that issue, meditate on the other side of that location. An example, continuing from what you experienced, you say you felt something on the right side. So what you do is you inhale, you take the shelter of your own breath mm. and you hold your breath because nothing can be closer to you than your own breath. And, and breath in, in, the, in the Persian language, breath is called ru. And Ru also means a soul. So soul is not necessarily within you. You are within the soul. So this is the soul. Which is coming every moment. And kissing me. And giving me an experience of life. And if I have any issues in my physical realm. I just bring in my soul, I bring in my rue, I bring in my breath and I take the shelter of my breath and I hold my breath. And when I hold my breath with my intention, with my awareness, I shift from where I'm feeling that sensation to the opposite of that. So in your case, right side activate, that can be a bit troublesome as the kundalini is awakened because you need to be in the neutral space in the neutral gear so you hold your breath and with your intention it's called clarified mind mind that can be directed that's another gift most of the time we can't direct our mind and if you can direct your mind know that you are walking on a spiritual path so spiritual path is not based on what you believe. Spiritual path is when you are able to direct your spirit, direct your awareness. That is called spirituality. So you hold your breath and then you bring your awareness to the left side of your brain and constantly bring your awareness to the left side of brain. And after a few moments, there will be a neutral mind. And that neutral mind is called samadhi. Samadhi not necessarily means close eyes and having hallucinations. Samadhi means to have a neutral mind while even your eyes are awake. You are not lost in your visualization. You are not lost in your vision. So this is another thing. Many a times when people are having this kind of experiences, they have a visions, they hallucinate. So instead of going into these subtle realms, which is your own mind playing its game, you are supposed to free yourself from these hallucinations and these visions. And that comes when you inhale and you hold your breath. And you will not be lost. First, we are lost in the realm of Maya. This is the realm of Maya. And then we get lost in the realm of the inner Maya, the inner hallucination, the inner thoughts, the inner imaginations. They may be beautiful, but still they are being given birth by you. You are still entrapped into the you. 
So the ultimate blooming is when you are able to free yourself from you. And the sutra is that Siddha Swaha Tantra Bhava, a yogi, a successful spiritual being is the one who have successfully freed himself from himself. And that is Beautiful. the ultimate joy. It's beautiful. Thank you, Yogi Samandeep. And just, you know, for my final question then, uh, for our discussion today, is uh, once one gets to this stage of, of liberation, the yogi that is one that has liberated himself from himself, does, is this for you an escape of death rebirth? Is it, I mean, what is, what is the ultimate, I won't say achievement. Is it an achievement? Is it, what are we looking to actually do? So, because if, if, we, if we are born into separation, wouldn't it be so that God wants to experience separation? And, yes. and in that, and in that, don't we kind of do the opposite of what God wanted to do in the first place? Yes. So that is experiencing the godliness in you, right? Now, once you have attained that state of being, <clears throat> somebody asked Ramana Maharishi, where would you go after you have died? And he said, where I was while I was alive. We ordinarily, we are never there when we are alive. We are here, you want to be there. And if you are there, you want to be here. So this is karma. This is karma. So becoming, a, becoming a, alive, Becoming an uh, uh, enlightened being means uh, you have a choice. You talked about freedom. This is the space of freedom, free will. You can come back to enjoy the duality. The awareness can again come in the form of mind and body to experience the duality. And then we call those beings masters. Or you can be in that state as consciousness. That's it. What is that like? Nobody knows until you experience it. So it's being in both both worlds at the same time. Yeah. So there's no desire. You know, there's the, you know, this conversation won't even exist at that level. Yeah. This this conversation that we are having is at the level of duality, at the level of the mind. And is this something you experience regularly in your work, in, in what you do, mm -hmm. the, these kind of non-dual states? Yes, so the states come and go. You know, they come and go. And I always tell my students, even you can experience this once a while, just go into gratitude for that. Because the only way it will come back again to you is through gratitude mm. and reverence and devotion. So these are the three garlands which you have to have around your neck for you to go back into this glimpse again and again. And many times people have a glimpse, then it never comes back. And they long for <laughs> it. And they want it back. How do you get it back? 
to have gratitude yes once upon a time i had it because the moment you recognize you have it more or less you have already got access to it so recognition gratitude that once a while the divine poured itself into you even if it was once a while so going into gratitude going into reverence going into devotion these are some of the things that really help you to sustain these holes or these opening of the star gates or the vortexes in the beginning they come and go and that is the beauty that is the beauty and that is what life is don't try to hold on to anything permanently the problem is because our mind is conditioned to hold things permanently we also want to hold this state of being permanently the realization never happens it is always there and you recognize it once a while beautiful yeah. beautiful thank you yogi samandeep and if people want to find out more about you i know you do excursions uh with people sometimes and 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 trips and things like that where can they find find out more about you yes yeah, so you know my website yogiamandeepsingh.com yogiamandeepsingh.com and um, we will be having a tour to india next year Uh, we will be going to the Himalayas, where we will spend twelve days meditating, learning this wisdom uh, directly under the shades of the Himalayas, <laughs> under the stars of the Himalayas. It's a total different experience, and people come back again and again every year just to be in the lap, in the womb of the Himalayas. So that is something that we do. Other than that, we will be having a New Year retreat. uh it will be in vancouver this coming uh, end of this year thank god 2020 is gone and 2021 is coming we will need to embrace <laughs> that in a very special way so this will be a 3 day retreat the information is not out yet but uh, if you sign up for the newsletter on uh, yogiamandipsing.com uh, you will be updated on that perfect well, i just want to get a sincere thank you yogi amandeep it's thank been a real pleasure and i've really taken a lot from this conversation it's, it's been very interesting i'm glad we covered so much thank you thank you blessings to you and thank you for the invitation and uh, may the universe bless you and all those who are seeing and uh, hearing us uh, with wealth and prosperity and the highest gift and that is to listen to your own breath beautiful i think that's definitely what i certainly will take away from this conversation i'm sure many listeners will too the breath and that's uh, i can feel it now already as you were speaking by the way of a, a deeper breath um happening and hopefully that's going to help me ground some of my experiences beautiful beautiful thank you thank you thank you very much yogi amandeep